1: It's coming from the American taxpayers. It's just mismanagement and we don't have the guts to slap their fat hand because we're afraid somebody will say we're against, we're voting All against right. veterans, we're voting against military. The Congress yep. needs to get some guts and start doing their job.
2: Well, we had to start today. Representative Tim Burchett uh, and Representative Andy Ogles, thanks so much for coming out of Congress to talk to us tonight. Really appreciate and congratulations on your first hearing on UAPs. And thank you so much, all of you in the audience, for trusting us tonight. On Balance with Leland Vittert is next. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. I'll see you right back here tomorrow night.
3: program tonight, climbing the chart. See how far you make it down the road. Despite charges of racism, Jason Aldean's new song rises to second on the Billboard Hot 100. And stores can't give away Bud Light. How summer 2023 shows America is changing.
2: Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch. Bombshell or dud? And I'm pretty skeptical. I don't trust anything in this town.
3: You've got to show me. What we didn't learn from today's UFO hearing. What I
1: personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing.
3: Welcome to The Ferris Show on television. First tonight from our home here in Washington. No matter how bad your day was, Hunter Biden's was far worse. Rather than pleading guilty and ending the criminal investigation into him, he pleaded not guilty. And the investigation continues. Hunter Biden had a bad day. That means his father had an awful day. We're going to get to that in a minute. But first tonight, apparently, much of America, not just country and radio music listeners across the country, but wholesale, if you listen to music on your iPhone on Spotify, wherever you listen to it, and whatever listen music you listen to, evidently, you are among the people who hold deeply racist feelings, and soon lynchings will return to a southern courthouse near you. That's the takeaway from a Washington Post article about Jason Aldean's new hit song. Quote, Jason Aldean's Try That in a Small Town broke into the Billboard Hot 100 chart at number two on Tuesday. The country song is surging in popularity despite or perhaps because of critics who contend it is a full of coded threats against black people. It's written by Samantha Cherry. She graduated from the University of Florida with a degree in journalism and used to be a multi-platform editor for the Washington Post gender and identity team, where she reported and curated gender identity coverage. And that's really the story. Gender and identity coverage requires calling one group bigoted. If you didn't like Bud Light hiring a transgender influencer, then you are transphobic. If you like Jason Aldean's song that glorifies small town values, well then you are a racist who supports lynchings. But Americans are neither. And apparently they are quite tired of the Washington Post and others calling them bigots. Evidence: The Mexican beer brand Modelo is now America's best-selling beer. They dethroned Bud Light. InBev, that owns Bud Light, lost $27 billion in market capitalization since the controversy began. They're down more than 25% in market cap. For reference, the S&P 500 was up well more than 8%. That took a couple of months. The response to Jason Aldean's song took a few days. To be clear, the song "Try It in a Small Town." Came out months and months ago. Nobody paid attention to it. It compared what happens in small towns versus big cities when someone robs a liquor store or carjacks an old lady. Take a listen. When the music video hit, the cries of racism began. And after the cries of racism, The song sold 228,000 digital singles last week. It's the largest sales week for a country song in a decade. They logged 11.6 million streams. That's a 547% jump from the week before. 18 million views on YouTube in 12 days. And that's despite country music television caving and pulling the video. Americans are not bigots. They don't like being called bigots. And now they're fighting back. Perhaps the Washington Post will take note, as should many of the other media observers and politicians here in Washington. George Will is here, News Nation's senior political contributor, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist. The pendulum is shifting back right now, and there is a silent majority, I feel like, that is sort of saying, we don't like being told how to think and how to act.
2: They're tired of people in their face telling them that their instincts are bad. And if they don't recognize that their instincts are bad, that's because they are so bad that they're sublimated. So there's no way of being innocent here. You think about
3: this from a cultural perspective. I was in New York talking to some folks who manage money on Wall Street, and they said they couldn't believe what had happened with Bud Light. Everybody thought the Bud Light thing was going to go away. It did not. Now we have Jason Dean's song, Uh, it has not gone away. It's blown up. He's made a lot of money from it. I'm wondering if corporate America is now going to have to rethink things. And you think about, say, Disney, who has gone, they're still swinging on the pendulum this way as the culture is swinging this way.
2: The business schools are turning out business executives who don't really like business. They go into human rights departments and they try to infuse the corporation with woke values. The corporations now have... If you count particularly the DEI bureaucracies in colleges and universities, this is a $10 billion industry promoting wokeism. Now there are a lot of people have an enormous stake in this. But compared to what, say, MBEV lost, it's minor.
3: Yeah, I the you look at this culturally, that's one thing that's happening in America. Then you look at what's happening politically. And there was a group that was all that were called, you know, deplorables who clung to, clung to their guns and religion. We all know how that worked out. That was referring to sort of rural Americans and the rural urban divide of America. But this election, whoever is running in 2024, is going to be decided by suburban white women probably in Atlanta, Charlotte, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, maybe Detroit, possibly Milwaukee and around Madison they listen to Jason Aldean. They like it. They have to be some of the people buying this music.
2: Absolutely. And they are people who, again, even if they don't like country music, they don't like the fact that someone is out there judging them. There's a large cohort in this country, Leland, of people who are only happy when they're unhappy. They only feel alive when they're enraged. Their synapses in their brain are firing off and it gives them pleasure. And let me, let me try it a
3: different way, though. I, I get the outrage machine, and we try to do the opposite here and take the temperature down, which sometimes sometimes is hard. And then you get you get some dopamine when you get angry. That's what the large part of cable news is. But the flip side to that is media organizations have to sell newspapers. They have to to come up and, and come up with an audience. And I'm I'm wondering if there is a fundamental misunderstanding right now of what that audience believes, in, in if the business model of telling people that they're bigots and dividing based on gender and identity uh, is not, is going to no longer be a workable business model.
2: It's not a workable business model anymore because trust in the media is at an all-time low and falling, according to Pew and other surveys and Gallup. Who's buying the papers? Who's watching the shows? Well, we're,
3: we're glad whoever's watching is watching right That's now. So we, but it's it that there's, there's a certain group of people that if they are, and I would take it one step further, there's a certain group that derive pleasure from being enraged and telling other people that they're bigots and on and on. Then there is another group, a smaller group, but a lot of them live in this town, who derive power from it.
2: That's right. And the whole society is now saturated with politics. California, the state of California, just adopted math curricular standards for K-12 education in which they're going to teach math infused with social justice. I don't know how you do that, but they're going to. One of the big box office successes so far in the movie is Barbie. They made a movie about a doll fine. Some, people are mad at it because they say it's anti-men.
3: Hmm. You haven't seen Barbie. <laughs> I have not either, so I can't, I can't come can't movie you. You said You said this about California, interestingly enough, last week on the yep. program. We had a school board president on who talked about standing up to the California Department of Education. The state superintendent came and they threw him out of their meeting and voted against him. So there's there's a change even in California. It's good to see you, sir. Thank you, as always. Uh, As we said, Hunter Biden had a bad day. His father had a worse one. Let's start about 10 a.m. this morning at the federal courthouse in Wilmington, Delaware. The younger Biden arrived with his Secret Service motorcade thinking he'd enter a quick guilty plea in federal court today and it would end all of his legal problems. In fact, reporters set up a camera and a microphone for Hunter to speak afterwards. He would say he was sorry and how he was going to learn from this and move on and pay his taxes. Then things took a surprising turn. Prosecutors in Delaware revealed an ongoing criminal investigation into Hunter. And a quick guilty plea with no jail time on tax charges would not end that criminal investigation. Ongoing criminal investigations are like boulders pushed off of mountains. You never really know where the boulder is going to land. You never know what it's going to crash into. Friends, business associates, even family members potentially get crushed. Of course, House Republicans can claim they have their evidence of corruption in their investigation. And yes, there is an FBI report of an informant linking Hunter's deal with Burisma to his father. The informant alleges the company paid Hunter to influence his father then-Vice President Biden. We know VP Biden pressured the Ukrainians to fire a local prosecutor looking into Burisma. In fact, at one point, President Biden bragged about it. But neither prosecutors nor Republicans ever had a proven, proven quid pro quo. Republicans in the House say they have evidence and shell companies and the like, they have some evidence. But congressional investigators are really like playing in the minors. Ongoing federal prosecutions are the major leagues. So just imagine Hunter in the courtroom today. There were no cameras there, but we have sketches. First, thinking he could put everything behind him. His father could run for re-election, saying Hunter's case is over. We even heard the White House roll out the talking points that this was a personal matter and they weren't going to talk about it. Then things changed. Our Rich McHugh reports from inside the courtroom. Hunter Biden appeared confused and listening intently to the showdown between defense lawyers and prosecutors and the judge. He ended the day pleading not guilty and leaving without talking to reporters. In fact, last night we predicted that this plea deal might fall, fall apart. Uh, he says the Hunter Biden judge should throw out the plea deal. Uh, effectively, the judge should say, "This is this is too good of a deal. I'm not letting you do it, uh, or not letting the prosecutors do it." That's not going to happen, is it?
1: Uh, that would be hugely unlikely, and I think that's wishful thinking on the part of. Some conservatives. The one, I would say, minor complication here that that, that is worth watching is that uh, Hunter's lawyers have entered into what's called a Rule 11C plea.
3: We also asked last night about the issue of immunity. Does this deal end the investigation and protect Hunter Biden from any future prosecutions? And that's how the deal fell apart. Tom Dupree with us now, former deputy assistant attorney general under George W. Bush. Uh, Tom, it's good to see you. uh, We'll get to the politics in a minute, but big picture. Does this concept of a boulder still heading down the mountain
4: apply I think it does, Leland. If anything, the boulder has picked up steam because of today's events. And look, today was an excellent illustration of the idea that the law doesn't always follow the pre-planned script. Hunter Biden clearly thought that he was going to be closing a chapter in his life today. I'm sure President Biden thought they would be closing that chapter too. But it turns out from today's events, we may not even be halfway through the book, that there may be chapters yet to be written. The special counsel, the U.S. attorney may well have to or bring additional charges against Hunter Biden down the road that could spread a much broader net than just Hunter Biden.
3: All right. So this plea deal, and now we'll get very micro, fell apart on this issue of immunity, whether this ended the investigation and gave Hunter Biden immunity going forward effectively on all of these these charges. Uh, There is this divide about how rare that is, number one. But this question, you've got the Department of Justice, Okay, and you've got very good attorneys that Hunter Biden has hired. How do you end up in a courtroom to plead guilty and everybody thinks this is going to be done? And that very salient issue, uh, the reason you plead guilty has not been decided.
4: It is astounding to me, Leland, that it unfolded the way it did today for the reason you mentioned. These are very sophisticated lawyers on both sides. And rule number one in a plea agreement proceeding like this is you don't come into courtroom and give the judge a cake that is half-baked. If you want her to sign off on it, which she has a a duty to independently satisfy herself that signing off on this agreement is in the interest of justice, you have to present her with a fully baked cake that makes sense, that both sides have looked at, everyone's comfortable with, and that you're prepared to answer critical questions like that. Does that, in fact, immunize him Mm. from future charges? They didn't know the answer to that. All right. So this is the exchange
3: between the judge and Hunter Biden today. There were a lot of recesses and conversations between the lawyers. I thought this was critical. You do not agree to plea unless you got some immunity on other charges. Hunter Biden, correct. Now, you can look at this two ways, right? The the first way is you you don't plead guilty unless you're going to get immunity. The second thing is if you're not guilty of anything else, why do you really care? What is it that you're, you're worried about? And there, there's being worried about yourself, but then there's being worried
4: about your family too, right? That's for sure. I mean, look, Hunter Biden faces a lot of exposure here, and he knows full well that members of his family may also face exposure. I think what really changed the dynamic here, Leland, was the fact that Congress brought in those whistleblowers and held hearings and really put a national media spotlight on all the things that Hunter Biden had did. And that just intensified the pressure on the prosecutors to explain why they weren't bringing other charges, and it clearly prompted the judge to kick the tires on this agreement and to ask that exact question. What what does this all mean for all those other charges that have been swirling about in the atmosphere the last few months?
3: Look, one of the reasons we have you on because of your breadth and depth of experience in Washington. Real briefly, the difference between congressional Republicans going after Hunter Biden to get to his father and what we can all agree is as effectively a partisan investigation versus the power of the Department of Justice and a U.S. attorney with uh, perhaps a grand jury if he wants one, uh, and the FBI, among others, to investigate someone for lobbying for a foreign government, which is the, the next possibility here in the Hunter investigation.
4: It's not even close. I mean, when you are being investigated by and potentially prosecuted by the Justice Department, you are in a much worse position. You obviously have a much more, a lot more at stake than you would in a congressional investigation. Uh, Look, in the Justice Department, I mean, these investigators, uh, it's the varsity. They know what they're doing. They have criminal prosecutors have tools that congressional investigators don't to compel testimony, to get access to documents. And so the fact that Hunter Biden was not able to close the chapter and put this investigation to rest today Mm. is a very significant development. It means we still have a long way to go before this all comes to a close.
3: Yeah, you almost yeah, yeah for sure. All right, Tom, uh, great having you as always. Thank you. We knew today was going to be um, surprising in many ways. We just didn't quite understand how much. Uh, it's good to see you. Thank you. With us now for sure. to discuss Thanks the so politics of all, Niall Stanage, White House columnist for our partners at the Hill. Uh, look, it feels like the White House thought this was going to be it, the either the end or the beginning of the end of the Hunter Biden saga, and all of a sudden they got smacked, and now this is maybe the end of the beginning, and today marks a whole different
5: place. Well, I think the thing is the Hunter Biden saga has a number of different elements, right? And I think what they thought today is it was going to take one piece off the table. A certain pile of chips was going to be moved off the table. Suddenly, those stakes are still very much alive. There is not a resolution to that part of it. And there are all these other outstanding elements hanging out there as well.
3: All right. How surprised was the White House on this?
5: I think everyone was surprised at the White House and everywhere else. I mean, virtually a uh, universal opinion that this uh, plea deal was going to be agreed to, and it wasn't.
3: We've heard Cree Jean-Pierre really change over the past few days in, in the talking points, because it went from uh, what the White House said, and we'll play this now, in the past about how the president and when he was during his time as vice president, interacted with his son, Hunter, as it relates uh, to business in the overseas business interest. Take a listen.
5: What I can say is just taking a step back and looking at what the president is even doing today, he is going to focus on how we can continue to do the work of the American people. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. I'm just not going to get into, uh, into, into anything that's related to Hunter Biden. He's a private citizen.
3: I get them saying that I've I've never t- spoken to my son about his businesses and I'm not in business. Maybe the same thing to the White House. Mm. It's not the same thing though. What where where what is the distinction they're trying
5: to draw here? So the distinction they're trying to say there's a distinction without a difference, and their argument is this former business associate of Hunter Biden's is saying that Hunter occasionally put. The man who's now president, he wasn't president at the time, on the phone, but that only vague pleasantries were discussed. So there is a conversation, but does that conversation really amount to being in business or discussing business? The White House says no. Discussing and is discussing,
3: but I, I, when you talk to sources at the White House, do they view this as a liability? How, 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 do, how do they go? How do they say they're going to go about? Branding Donald Trump as a criminal, as they have, and a danger to America uh, by his reckless acts. And at the same time, there's a criminal investigation ongoing for corruption into the president's son.
5: Well, they say what you heard Corinne say there, that Hunter Biden is a private citizen. But they also try to make a completely separate argument, which is their argument is the American people care about other things, not this as much as economics, job creation. Bidenomics and things of that nature. That's what the election. So if they have, if they have it,
3: yeah, and you have to see how much it takes out of their quiver the the Donald Trump argument. All right, Nile. Thank you very much. Good, to, Good see you. to see you. All right, coming up, a senior moment or something else? Eighty-one year old Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell freezes, literally for thirty seconds. Can we now finally have an honest conversation about age and mental acuity of our elected leaders? Plus, we're hearing Ronnie James is doing better in his heart. Uh, is still beating after unexpectedly stopping how does this happen to a healthy 18 year old theories abound why you can't talk about the vaccine
2: it's been good by and cooperation and a string of uh,
3: That Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, he froze, literally, for about 30 to 40 seconds while speaking to reporters today. He just literally stopped talking. John Barrasso, senator from Wyoming, also a physician, walked up to him at about the 30-second mark, whispered something, we're not able to hear what it was, and then led the, House, the Senate Minority Leader away. It was a stunning, stunning moment. Couple of minutes later, Mitch McConnell was then led back out to speak with reporters. Take a look.
1: You addressed what happened at the start of the press conference and was related to your injury from earlier this year, where you suffered a concussion. Is that? Know, um, I'm fine.
2: You're,
1: fine. you're fully able to
2: do
3: your
1: job. Or-
3: McConnell is among the older, but certainly not the oldest of our dear leaders. Dianne Feinstein is 90, Joe Biden 80, Hal Rogers 85. Donald Trump's getting up there as well. We could go on. But now that mental acuity is a bipartisan issue or a bipartisan problem, maybe we can have an honest conversation about it. It's an issue with another senator, of course, John Fetterman, who suffered a near-fatal stroke last year.
1: Really, like the the 95... Ninety-five, ninety-five. Again, these are
3: all unedited tapes. Joining us now, former D.C. Democratic Party Chairman Scott Bolden, Vice President Restoring Integrity and Trust in Elections, former legal advisor to President Trump, uh, May Malman. All right, uh, we need we need M.D.s, not J.D.s, out here. But here we go. <laughs> go to war with the army you have. Look, okay. We can all agree that the framers left two things out: term limits and age limits, because they didn't think they needed them. But at the same time, Scott, how are Democrats going to talk about Mitch McConnell? Which you know they're going to, because they don't like Mitch McConnell. Understand, it's partisan. How are they going to talk about Mitch McConnell? Okay, uh, if they're not going to open up and talk about Joe Biden's moments?
6: Well, Joe Biden has had any 20-second delays where he just stops talking. He may have gaffs like every other president in the history of this country. I'm I'm more concerned not about ageism, but about health. I think the health of these individuals that you name, Democrats and Republicans, and whether they can do their jobs or not. And right now, I gotta tell you what I saw on that tape was someone that looked disheveled. Yeah. He looked pale.
3: Who was sweating when he came he was sweating but, but you said you but haven't but said you haven't had any problems with, with hold on. You said you hadn't seen any problems with, with President Biden. Just take a listen to a couple of the senior moments he's had recently.
1: We're still feeling the profound loss of the pandemic, as I mentioned, of over 100 people dead. That's 100 empty chairs around the kitchen table. I said I'd cure cancer. They looked at me like, why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why. And we can. We end cancer as we know it.
6: A, he misspoke. It's a gaffe. He was wrong. <laughs> that doesn't have to be, do anything with a health issue, though. Well, but this, I, is, my, saying, but, not, this is my this is my point. If we're going to have, if we're gonna have a we're going to have an honest, right, discussion, have about an honest
3: discussion about it. Okay. Let me tell you
6: something else about what we saw today with uh, the Senate Majority Leader. The people around him were not out of sync. They were not upset. This has happened before with them. In fact, they did a protocol, if you ask me, and oh, that's cool. one of the most
3: telling things because they, they didn't call an ambulance. They didn't they, say they've young given, to th- They've given President Biden the mini-stairs on Air Force One because of his age.
5: Exactly. and they don't even but, put but him through that's a That's not a health schedule. issue. He works like three hours a day and won't even go to dinner. Donald Trump was younger wait, 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 and played wait, wait, golf Scott, and never Scott, did that. Scott,
3: you just said this was a health issue. This is a health issue, too. That is a real health issue.
6: Misspeaking or saying that 100 people died versus a million people died... I it's do gaffs all the though. time. It's not a I don't have a health issue. No, but th- this
3: is my this is my question. Why can we not? And I and I say this with you. Fine. You want to talk about a health issue with Mitch McConnell. Yeah. You want to, have to talk about a health issue with Joe Biden. I'm wondering why, even the very slightest of issues, when you're dealing with people that are this important in, in the world, and the the Senate Minority Leader is incredibly important. Mitch McConnell, most senior Republican. Sure. Uh, the President of the United States. Why isn't any question disqualifying?
6: Well, it isn't disqualifying because the president, unlike other elected officials, he gets a health exam and a and a, a full body and mind exam, I'm sorry, a, a, a full review by his medical team but we don't at the, the naval review. at the at the Naval Academy. So or, or at the Naval Observatory, or whatever that hospital is. For
5: sure. You know, and then they give us a brief summary where uh, now Representative Ronnie Jackson said that uh, President Trump was the most healthy person that he's ever seen in his in life. A, yeah. But
3: and his private doctor said
6: something I, you better
5: know, than I, that. I'm, I'm going I'm go to go
3: out on a limb here and say I think I made my point.
5: Yeah, I think, also, for me, it's not actually a mental acuity issue. Age is its own issue, because if you are at a certain age, you're not going to live to see the policies that you enact. So I think as Americans, we should be caring about age as a number, not even as whether you're all there, because I actually think that Mitch McConnell, even if he suffered an acute stroke, you know, he actually has such a command of the Senate, he could maybe do it, but it is age as a number. That we sh- as Americans should be. I'm here.
6: His health is a condition. I'm hearing. You, we're going to run that tape. You run that tape. That is a sick man. Uh, well,
5: and
3: and we, we understand at least so far his office is saying he's okay, which okay. We're, which we're, is we're, awesome. We're glad to hear. All right, mm-hmm. thank you both. Appreciate it. Thank you. By all accounts, LeBron James's son will survive and hopefully play basketball once again after his cardiac arrest earlier this week. It's great news, of course. Just though, as the news broke about his cardiac arrest, right wing Twitter went crazy, circulating this clip of his father, LeBron James.
2: Um, but after doing my research and things of that nature, I felt like it was best suited for telling people to my family and my friends, and uh, you
3: know, and that's why I decided to do it. Side effect of the vaccine, especially in teenagers, and the heart inflammation. Can prove deadly. Myocarditis is seemingly rare, and we don't know if it played any role here with LeBron James' son. The problem is, we really can't ask the question about whether or not he was vaccinated and whether or not his heart attack, his cardiac arrest, was perhaps from the vaccine, from myocarditis. Pro vaccine advocates won't allow it, they won't even allow such things to be researched. They say the vaccine is safe, and if you ask questions, it just proves you are a vaccine denier. Evidently, being a vaccine denier is something worse than believing in devil worship. Congressman Greg Murphy is here, board-certified urological surgeon, close to the heart. Good to see you, Congressman. Thank you. Nice to see
0: you. Nice to see you. Look,
3: medicine is about finding facts and and truth. And I'm and I'm, I'm wondering why there's part of the medical community, even, that is so upset angry afraid whatever you want to call it when you even ask these questions
0: well Leland what happened during the pandemic was unprecedented as far as the the pushing of politics into medicine we're supposed to be objective we're supposed to be scientists we're supposed to call strikes and balls and that's the way it is but what happened is Anthony fauci and uh, dr. Walensky became political and instead of putting their uh, real science objective science add on they put on political science and so we saw bullies upon bullies upon bullies fauci went after, guys that prove that proved the the uh, virus came out of Wuhan you will never prove to me otherwise it, it came out of that lab it leaked out of that lab but so much peer pressure has been put upon them and in the entire medical community. Go off the board and talk about transgenders. Everybody's supposed to say, yeah, treat all that that stuff. Years it hasn't. It's just now all of a sudden the massive peer pressure event of wokeism has now hit medicine and in medical schools for that matter.
3: I, I, look, you can talk about wokeism. <clears throat> wokeism is one thing, but when you start messing with kids' health and what I, sure. you, you, I, I think about kids now and I, how do we ever know whether or not kids need to be screened for this? How do we know whether or not there needs to be new protocols for student athletes who have had the vaccine if we're not willing to honestly
0: discuss it? I agree completely. What we are seeing, though, is an increase in the number of heart attacks in younger individuals, sedentary lifestyle, unprocessed or processed foods, even increased marijuana cocaine use. You will remember Len Bias years ago. So whether this is vaccine related is not. He had an event um, whether, when
3: you it, say it's, whether it's a vaccine or
0: not, we don't know. Th- no way. There, that's honestly no way for you to tell unless they okay. did honestly an autopsy on him. And still, it wouldn't be able to be, okay. be able to be told. He's at a higher risk. Some individuals, we see cardiac events with kids in athletics, uh, sadly enough, one to two times a year. Whether this happened with LeBron's kid or not, we're gonna, never going to know.
3: Is there – are you seeing any <clears throat> swing back in the pendulum? And look, we talked about this at the top of the show about the the cultural swing in America now that's yeah. happening. Is there a swing back in America to to take a step back and now be willing to have – uh, I don't know, a little humility about yeah. about the vaccine, about whether or not you need to vaccinate kids, about what went right, what went wrong.
0: I think there is. I think there. in, in the moment. There was so much peer pressure being put on physicians to do what the government was telling us to do and patients for that matter. Yeah. It's been so much distrust. I never I, I from day one was pro vaccine. But I also said this is a drug. It's, one thing, it's a decision between you and your doctor, not a citizen and a government. I personally think the whole thing about vaccinating men under age 35 was ridiculous. They're not an at-risk population. The same thing with kids going to school in California. They should not have been vaccinated unless their parents really want it, unless they had some pre-existing disease.
3: Yeah, I guess, look, just in terms of the data, the highest risk group for myocarditis in in kids is Those who got the vaccine, 12 to 17, Uh, after the second dose, 35.9 per 100,000 people. Mm -hmm. The risk of post uh, risk post infection in that same group, I guess, depends on how you define infection um, is 64.9. So the the argument is, hey, it's, it's higher because of the of getting covid versus getting the vaccine. Therefore, we shouldn't worry about the vaccine.
0: Now, I, I think some of that data, to be very honest with you, is is slanted. The CDC has been slanting
3: pre- data during covid. You Ma- d- don't say it. I- imagine
0: <laughs> that. Um, CDC, uh, I don't want to say either fudge data or didn't interpret data, especially in the pediatric population yeah. during the entire uh, pandemic.
3: Yeah, we did a lot of that over the past couple of years, whether it was about death rates or vaccine or on and on and on. So you're, you're great to point that out. Good to see you. Nice to see you. By Thank the you. way,
0: Mitch McConnell had something called a Pettit mall seizure where he just blanked, doesn't mean you're sick, doesn't mean anything else. He didn't look so good. He can be, but that's what could happen. You talked to him, you checked him out. But but if you look at that, that's most likely. Could have had a minute stroke, could have done these other things. But to say he's sick by definition because that happened, that's absolutely not the case.
3: All right, fair enough. Doctor, Congressman, good to see you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. The summer stall, how much longer will we give Ukraine an endless supply of weapons when it's not doing much good? Isn't it now time to push the Ukrainians to start talking about peace?
2: Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market.
5: Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC. Member SIPC. Well, I
1: couldn't agree more with my friend Brad. Uh, You better believe the Ukrainians are ready. They have the grit,
3: the will, the determination to fight uh, in the way that somebody who is always fighting for their children, for their home, for their neighborhoods will always fight with all of their strength and their will. Despite excitement by lawmakers and CNN over Ukraine's counteroffensive, things are not going well for the Ukrainians. The spring offensive turned into a summer slog that has gotten bogged down. But the Ukrainians keep going through American ammunition like the supply will never run out. And they keep asking for and getting more and more sophisticated U.S. weapons and go through that supply as well. There is just one problem to that strategy. We, America, don't have enough weapons to keep up with the amount of the Ukrainians are using. As we predicted about a month ago, President Biden now faces some serious questions about how the war ends and why he won't pressure the Ukrainians to negotiate. Congressman Mark Green is with us. First, Green Beret elected to Congress, member of the Armed Services and Foreign Affairs Committee. Not Green Beret elected to Congress. That made it into the teleprompter. Army yeah. ranger, former former uh, flight surgeon with special operations. OK. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. It's amazing how sometimes it's not always right what's in the teleprompter. It's crazy. Anyway. All right. We talked about this before. At what point do we need to say to the Ukrainians, we understand you're f- f- fighting, fighting Vladimir Putin. We understand that you are trying to do good work here. But we have to make sure America can fight a war against China.
7: Well, we've been saying that all along, Leland, and, and we have not come, we're, we're not touching our go-to-war stocks. And I checked on this last week. Um, the, the type of weapons that we're sending the Ukrainians still aren't, even even if you look at like the artillery pieces and things like that, we have much more sophisticated stuff that we're keeping back. And so our go-to-war stocks are not at threat. Now, our pipeline for producing stuff to keep them going, that pipeline has to be fixed Um, or we can't continue to support the fight at the rate they're using the ammunition.
3: I understand that, but we, we listen to where President Biden is, okay, in terms of what he talked about even earlier this month at the NATO summit. Take a listen.
1: I mean that. Our commitment to Ukraine will not weaken. We will stand for liberty and freedom today, tomorrow, and for as long as it takes.
3: I have one question for as long as it takes to do what?
7: Yeah, that's a great question because the president really has never defined an end state for us and he's stair-stepped all the aid that he's given them to include the sanctions that were placed on the Russians. Those were stair-step implemented. So everything he's done has been half measures and then he's never really defined what the end state is. Usually you need a strategy. Remember when George Bush went and uh, liberated Kuwait he had like five things that he wanted to accomplish he accomplished those five and we came home and and that's what needs to happen in Ukraine and it needs to happen yesterday
3: yeah well we we we, we don't yet have a strategy or when when the white house will say okay we need to we need to start talking about a peace deal congressman it's good to see you, as always thank Thanks, you uh, also in congress today a whistleblower hearing on ufo's Some extraordinary serious allegations and some extraordinarily interesting promises of information, including where the crashed UFOs might be.
2: By UAPs or by by people within the, the federal government? Both. Look, I've been here for six months and I'm pretty skeptical. I don't trust anything in this town and um and so i and i think that's because i'm from missouri you've got to show me right congressman eric
3: burleson at today's ufo hearing i'm also from missouri you gotta you gotta show it show us the evidence three whistleblowers including a former fighter pilot decorated fighter pilot testified to some wild stuff
0: mr graves and fravor you know in the event that your encounters have become hostile would you,
1: have, would you have had the capability to defend yourself, your crew, your aircraft? Absolutely not, sir.
2: No.
3: All right. Chris is here. He's been following the UFO story extensively and the hearings that happened today, largely prompted by News Nation coverage of this. Look, I, I, I wonder if there's two separate things here, right? Is the government telling us the truth? Of course not. They know way more than they're telling us. That's area one. Area two or box two is, are these things that they're not telling us the truth about from another planet? I'm not sure we got there today.
1: Oh, we definitely didn't get there today. The question is why? And you can't get to two until you resolve one. And while I love your home state, uh, I love its motto and its people (laughs) and its beef ribs, uh, St. Louis style beef ribs, my favorite, Uh no question about it. It's not for him to say, show me, it's for him to demand to be shown. See, what bothered me about today is what I feared, not to just, you know, spit at it. There there was some good information today. We'll unpack it just like you just did. But NASA, the Pentagon, uh, the leadership in Congress, this should not be tolerated. It's about transparency for me every bit as much as what they're hiding. Okay, but hold on. We didn't demand
3: Mm -hmm. transparency to the Manhattan Project. That's how we got the atom bomb and and bombed Japan. There were all sorts of lies and cover-ups as it related to the testing of the atom bomb. The the B-2 stealth bomber and the F-117 stealth fighter Mm -hmm. were reported as UFOs over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And the government said, nothing to see here. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me that the people who would be briefed on these things and would be told, hey, these are U.S. weapons systems, stop talking about it are the ones Mm -hmm. laughing it off. And I I understand that every 535 members of the House and Senate all feel they have a right to answers. I've worked in this Mm -hmm. town long enough to know that, that they all talk. There's a good reason why not every congressman gets read in to every one of America's top secrets.
1: First of all, the idea that those who know wouldn't tell those who want to know not to waste time holding the hearing is absurd to me. Uh, two, uh, the atomic bomb is a very good thing to look back at. Um, is that not a situation that was burdened by a lack of transparency? Uh, Truman's decision to use those two bombs just because we could? Is there really uh, any point of discussion of what that told us other than maybe we should take another moment? If these are military systems, great. Just tell us, that it's about military information, and we're not going to tell you anything more. At least then we can categorize it and uh, satisfy yeah, but then, some but of you, these then, You then, conspiracy then tell the appetites. Chinese and
3: the Russians what we have. You sure, you're no, you showing don't. them videos. No.
1: You're showing them videos. No, No, you don't say which video. Look, Leland, this is a very easy resolve if the government and the program people at issue here wanted to satisfy huh? it. What I'm saying is, they have, they know they don't have to say anything. Look, right. you see it everywhere. To me, this is a symptom. All the stuff that's being said about the DOJ right now, uh, and the FBI, and all the different things, and all right, what no, they know. Hey, look, keep. fair. Enough. Who hey, you works know what, you know what it means better?
3: Yeah, no. Look, I, hey, I, I hear you. Transparency is why, why you and I both have a job. I know you got a lot more coming up tonight on it. I'll let you get ready for the show. Uh, thank you. We'll talk soon. Uh, Coming up here, a little thought about a young man who has been in jail in Japan for a year. He's an American, an American service member. President Biden has promised to get him out. We'll check in on that promise when we get back. One year ago today, yesterday, Lieutenant Ridge Alconis went from serving his country in the Navy to serving a jail sentence in Japan by any fair measure. He didn't commit the crime he's accused of. Lieutenant Alconis has two plus years on his sentence. He was convicted of negligent driving, resulting in the deaths of two people. Turns out he had a freak medical condition from altitude sickness. There was nothing reckless about his driving, but that didn't matter in Japan's kangaroo courts. The State of the Union, 168 nine days ago, the president made a solemn promise to Alconis' wife, Brittany. I promise you.
4: My kids
3: are counting Brittany's devotion to her husband has been incredible. She's homeschooled her kids in front of the White House, done hundreds of interviews at all hours of the day and night, all while traveling to Japan to see her husband for the limited visitation hours they grant. We'll keep following Brittany's story until Ridge comes home. Here's Chris.